This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. We are finishing up a series on the solas of the Reformation. We've done a pretty extensive one on sola scriptura, and then crazy enough, we did a day on solas Christus, Christ alone, please do not interpret that to mean that we think less of Christ um, because he only got a day. But we're just going to to spend a little less time on, on the rest of the solas. We wanted at least this year to spend a little bit more time on sola scriptura, scripture alone. And part of it is just that our fear of of how culture is undermining the authority of the word of God and, and how that then has a trickle effect. Um, that if we hold Scripture in as we ought, then it's going to help us hold Christ as we ought, and grace and faith and, and the glory of God, the other solas. So today we want to look at grace alone, sola gratia. And I'm going to begin with the same question that I began with yesterday and what I'm going to begin with tomorrow and the next day. What does this mean, and how does this teaching differ from the Church of Rome? So just kind of a plain definition. So the doctrine of sola gratia or is the teaching that salvation is based only on the grace of God and not on human merit. And this is going to be tied into yesterday's show with what the Roman church teaches about Christ. So the the Roman, uh, this will differ from Rome in the fact that salvation uh, is through Christ and through human merit. That is to say that Christ's atonement gets you to neutral but then your obedience in this life serves to further your justification before God. And so apart from that, uh, the reformers would say, no, no, it is Christ's work that is wholly sufficient, that the atonement and salvation is complete in Christ. So we are going to get dangerously close to maybe possibly stepping on some toes today. We've never done that We've before. We've not done that before. We're great dance partners. But today might be the day in which we get there because it's not just the the Church of Rome that struggles with the doctrine of grace alone. So if you wanted to just, with a colloquialism, just summarize the belief of the Catholic Church is God helps those who help themselves. Which is really the American religion right now. I mean, you know, a large number of people uh, destroy the doctrine of grace alone by supposing that human beings are just basically good and that God owes everybody a chance to be saved. And if we're saved in the final analysis, it's really part of our own good decision to receive Jesus who was offered to us. You know, So I mean, it's, it's about how rather than grace alone saying that we're sinners and have no claim on God, and God owes us nothing but punishment, and that he saves us in spite of our sins, that's grace alone. Um, we're saying, hey, you know, uh, God helps those who help themselves. So we're basically good. 
So Pelagianism, semi-Pelagianism is, is this idea that we kind of climb up a ladder and mm-hmm. we get up so high, we can't get all the way to the top, but we can get a ways up. And then God just yeah. helps us get over the, the hump, mm-hmm. gets us over the edge. And so that's not grace alone. And we don't believe that there that grace is a commodity. That that then if you use the baptism, and so some sometimes this is why some people really are uncomfortable with our position of covenantal baptism because they they look at our practice of of covenantal baptism and, and, and look at it and say, well, it's the same as the Roman Catholic Church. Absolutely not. You're, you're entirely missing the teaching of of what we would hold. The Roman Catholic Church believes that in baptism, baptism of in infants, it actually washes away original sin. That they now are neutral. That they're born, now they are in the same state as Adam and Eve when they were first created. That they have the ability to choose between good and evil. And that they can move their way up to the place where God will, by his grace, help them. Well, no... <laughs> When a, a child is done being baptized in our church, um, unfortunately, they're just as sinful as when we began. Okay, we, nothing changed other than the fact that they're a little bit more wet. They were born into a Christian home, and Paul would say that those that are born with it to Christian parents are holy. First Corinthians seven seven. If you don't like that terminology, you have to take it up with the Holy Spirit and the Apostle Paul. That's not my language; it's the, the Spirit's language. So, if you have a problem with the fact that that, that they're set apart, that they're holy. I don't know what else to tell you other than take it up with, with the Spirit. What we believe in baptism is that we are actually just saying our amen to what God has already declared. That he has set them apart because they were born to Christian parents. And he has graciously condescended to say, and we're going to give you the gift of baptism so that you can have that truth more sure. Just like he does in baptism or in, in the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper doesn't do anything different. It's the gospel. He's just condescending to say, "Do, do you really? Can you really see and taste and and, and feel the elements so that the, that the message of salvation is more clear to you?" That's what's happening in baptism too. Yeah, great grace is something that is done for us, not that something that we've necessarily done ourselves. And that this whole thing you were you mentioned earlier about you know. You know, being brought only so far, and then God does the the rest. That whole idea of this cooperative element that man is saved not just simply by grace, but grace plus works, is not the gospel. It's not the good news. And this is why we keep coming back to the fact that he had, in Christ, those things had to be done for us. I mentioned that these are interconnected, so if we go back to Christ alone, if Christ alone is the mediator and the means by which we are saved, then when we get to uh, grace alone, what we're saying is that Christ's work is sufficient enough um, to save us, to rescue us wholly and completely, and that that is attributed to us by a grace alone, or through God's unmerited favor alone to us. It is not, so the question becomes, what did Christ accomplish? Did he accomplish the full salvation of his people, or did he merely accomplish the offer of salvation? And that's when, as Jonathan said, we get into this idea of, of a two-handed salvation, Christ is like a sixth grade middle school girl at the dance, just waiting, hoping someone will come and ask him to dance and that maybe he will. And so his atonement becomes showing up at the dance. And then it's not until we grab hold of his hand that we are finally saved. That's not a salvation by grace. So, I mean, and this, this, uh, hopefully this doesn't become too complicated, but really what we're talking about is how does grace 
affect or relate to all of the points in the ordo salutis, the, the order of salvation? How, how does that how does grace relate to election and calling and regeneration and faith and repentance and justification, adoption, sanctification, perseverance, and glorification? So just talk the, the listener through what what the Reformation and what we believe the Bible teaches about grace as it pertains to all of these points in the order of, of, of salvation. It's the foundational seed that bears the fruit of, of everything else. Uh, apart from the grace of God, there is no election, there is no calling, there is no regeneration, there, there is none of these elements of, of our salvation playing out. It all starts with the unmerited favor of God, the unearned kindness, the his said covenant, the steadfast love of God from the Old Testament. So are you trying to tell me that God set his affection on me and elected me and chose me, not because he looked down through the corridors of time and saw that I would put my faith in him, but that he chose me simply because of his gracious nature? Two things. Yes, because of his simple gracious nature. And two, if we go with your scenario that God looked down through the corridor of times, we violate the very doctrine of God as if God could look down the corridor of time and learn something about me that he didn't already know. I think that one of the things that we forget about, you know, with re- this regard to grace alone, is there's some there's four things that we're forgetting. We're forgetting the sinfulness of sin, uh, the guilt and corruption that is ours. We're forgetting God's judgment. Grace is God looking with favor on those who are dead in their sins and defiant and doomed under the curse of God. We're forgetting our spiritual inability. We're dead. We have no capacity or inclination to come to God, obey God, believe in God. Grace is the saving provision that God is for us. And we're forgetting also God's sovereign freedom, the Father in election, the Son in redemption, the Holy Spirit in the effectual calling. It's his grace from beginning to end. Grace is the power of God that applies salvation to us. This is where we're going to step on everybody's toes, because basically broad evangelicalism has, has forgotten where they came from. They forgot the, the core of the Reformation, which is really grace alone, Christ alone, faith alone is justification. And justification, at least the Protestant church used to know, was the, the one-sided work of God alone, that God is the instrument that God is the one that graciously elects. God is the one that by his grace calls. God is the one by his grace that gives faith and repentance. Faith and repentance are gifts of God, clearly taught in Acts, clearly taught in Ephesians. All of this is God's grace. Justification is God graciously declaring that which is guilty to be absolved because of the substitutionary work of Jesus Christ on behalf of his people. It is grace that allows us to grow in our sanctification. It's not our own human effort. It is not our own human will. The grace of sanct it's a grace of sanctification. Why do we persevere to the end? Because God's grace upholds and sustains us. What brings about our glorification? It's grace. And so when we say grace alone, (laughs) as Reformed people, we actually mean it. We actually mean it that it is grace all along the spectrum. That there's nothing of me. Well, I'm sorry. There is something of me. I contribute sin all across the spectrum. But my Mm -hmm. salvation, every aspect of my salvation is solely dependent upon the grace of God. And and that was one of the hallmarks of the Reformation. And today, quite honestly, it's not just that, that, that it's 
still lost by the Roman Catholic Church. It is lost in broad evangelicalism because we are inserting man into the equation. And all I can say is, why would we want to do that? Why, why would I want to depend on me? Why do I want to be involved in something that if I'm involved, I'm just going to mess it up? Well, part of the reason that people want that is because they hate to be told that they're helpless. They hate to be told that God doesn't depend on them. They are in favor of the idea that you can make a new beginning, that that you're able with your own individual freedom to make decisions for and against God. You know, so... I guess that's why people look at us like we have three heads when we talk about the doctrine of grace, because what we're saying is it, it depends on God alone. You know, we use that word often, sheer, right in front of the word grace, and it just means nothing other than grace. So when we say sheer grace, what we mean is nothing other than the unmerited, uh, steadfast, never giving up, always and forever covenant-keeping love of God and his disposition toward us. And maybe some of this is sounding new to you. And what I would I would just invite you to do is is just really step back, and and just read again, um, just the the scriptures and say what is it communicating, and and really what I think what you'll find from cover to cover is that God is the God who pursues, God is the God that initiates, God is the the God that that brings about always the salvation of His people. And that all of it is not dependent upon us, but is dependent upon his character. That it's really what Vinny is just talking about, that he is a God of steadfast love and faithfulness. And it's because of that steadfast love and faithfulness, because of his grace, that we are secure. Well, we'll see you next time.